Good morning, Tapestry. It is good to be with you on another Sunday morning. I'm excited as we are continuing on in our year of Sunday school and continuing on in our story of Jonah. Now, when we last left our main character, Jonah, he was uh, swallowed up in the belly of the whale. But before we get going on uh, where we go from there, let's rewind just a little bit and uh, remember how we got here. So Jonah was our guy. Right. And he was a prophet, as we said. And so he would go and he would tell all the other people what it is that God wanted them to hear. Sometimes it was encouragement. Many times it was warning. You need to stop. But he would do that. And one day God says, Jonah, you're doing a good job, but I need you to go to Nineveh, which was a place that all of the Jewish people hated. It was an enemy. And Jonah said, "Mm, God, I don't want to go to Nineveh. And I don't want to tell them what you want me to tell them. In fact, God, why don't we just destroy them? God said, nope, I want you to go. So Jonah says, well, that's a shame that you want me to go, but I'm not going. And so Jonah hops down to the port, takes his money, buys some passage on a boat, and he hightails it the other way away from Nineveh. Well, it doesn't take long for uh, God to figure out, hey, Jonah's running. And so while the boat is going and everything seems fine, God brings a storm. And all the other men on the boat, they're worried. They're they're experienced sailors, but they're worried about drowning and the boat sinking and the whole nine yards. And so they're trying to figure out what they're going to do. And finally, Jonah says, hey, guys, it's me. I'm running from God. And the only way to calm the storm that's going to sink this boat is for you to throw me overboard. And so they decide, well, yep, that's what we're going to do. So they grab Jonah and they heave him over. That's what Jonah looks like heading overboard. Jonah hits the water. The storm calms. The boat has sailed away. And next thing Jonah knows, he hears a noise from behind him and up comes the fish. And he comes up and I'm not sure how aware of it he was. If he saw it coming, if it came behind him, but that thing swallowed him up to be no more. And that, that is where we left Jonah last week in our story. He, He was inside the belly of the fish. Now, once he was in there, as we left off last week, we saw that it was quite the situation. And in the situation, Jonah decided he was going to do what all of us would do. And that was he was going to pray. He was going to pray. So he prays a prayer to God. And in his prayer to God, he does several things. He acknowledges who God is. He admits what it was that he had done. He he has a change of heart. And so after a few days in the belly of the whale and Jonah crying out to God, finally, God gets the whale to spit him back up, right? So all of a sudden, I don't know if there were some kind of noises or whatever it is, but here comes Jonah, spit up from the whale, back on to dry land. And once Jonah got onto dry land and he kind of, I don't know where dry land Jonah went. Oh, here he is. Once he got back onto dry land and the whale swam away and he was no more, God spoke to him again. 
God said, Jonah, now that you're on dry land, there's something I want you to do. Can you guess what it is? Yeah, that's right. He says, I want you to go to Nineveh. Right? This series that we're doing is centered around the person of Jonah. And and many of us are familiar with Jonah and we're familiar with the story. And and last week, I, I gave you permission to not actually believe the story really happened. Right? Because the reason I did that is because I don't want you to miss the point because you and I are both in the story of Jonah. We recognize ourselves in it. There's a point in all of our lives where we, in some form or another, run from God. Right? We resist His will for us. And there's different aspects of God's will. Sometimes we resist his moral will. That means just behaving the way that that, that God lays out we're in general supposed to behave. Sometimes it is ethical will. Sometimes it's specific will, something he wants us individually to do, maybe in our relationship or our finances or, or, or in our parenting or something of that nature that's very specific to us. And some of us, some of us may be beyond just like, a specific part of God's will, resisting it and running from it. Some of us may be a category of running from God entirely, right? Perhaps, um, perhaps you were raised in church and, and it isn't that you don't believe in all of it, God and all, all of the stuff that goes along with it, but y- you, just, you just aren't going to do it, right? You're just not going to do it. You, you want everybody else to live it. Right? You want everybody else to, to follow those codes and be good people and do all of those things, but you're not interested in it right now. Right? And, and you couldn't argue that any of it isn't true, but you've just decided, eh, right? I'm just not into it. I'm, I'm not going to do it. I'm not interested right now. Uh, perhaps, perhaps, um, perhaps you're a little more covert about it. Right? Maybe it's not so far up there, right? And you're not sure uh, if there's a God with a personal will for you in your life, um, but you have a conscience, right? And that conscience is always just that voice in the back of your head that's kind of there. It's, it's that, that restlessness deep in your spirit that you have. And there's a tension in you right now because, because you're violating your own standard, right? Even if you take all the God stuff out of it, Whatever that conscience is, you're violating it, right? And you have a sense of right and wrong, and you may suspect that somehow, somewhere, that's connected to God and came from God, but you're not even consistent with your own beliefs and values, right? There's a tension. You're running from God. And then there's this thing that so many of us do where we change our beliefs to try and quiet our conscience, because maybe our conscience is tied to stuff we were taught growing up. So I'm going to change my belief and then my conscience will shut up about it. But when you lay your head on the pillow at night, you know something's off. Something just isn't quite right. Things aren't right between you and God. Heck, things aren't even right between you and you. And you know that there's a day of reckoning coming in this life. And as you look at your life and you look at the direction that you're headed, you you know in your heart that you can't keep running. That, That eventually the chaos that you're creating in your life will get to a point that you can no longer control it. 
right? And eventually the, the, the pain that you are causing those people who are around you uh, will get to a point where well, you'll, you'll have to throw up your hands and you'll have to surrender because you are just causing too much pain around you, right? Some people plan that day, that day of surrender and giving up. Some people have that day planned ahead, right? They're going to run until they get married and then they'll settle down and start doing the things they know they're supposed to do right? They're going to run till after spring break. Once I get done with that trip, I can just kind of do what I want and relax and unspool. Then, then I'll get, then I'll get serious. Or they're going to run until after this, this deal that they're working on with work. Once that goes through, then I'm going to do things right in the way I know God wants me to do and, and the whole nine yards. And some of us schedule our surrender moment to God um, based on our current circumstances, because we know things aren't right. Because you know what Jonah here discovered last week? Right? He discovered that you can run from God, but you can't outrun God. You can't outrun God. Eventually, there will be a day of reckoning. And this is where we left Jonah last week. Right? God asked him to go to Nineveh. He says no. Gets on the boat. Opposite direction. Running from God. Jonah discovered, as we all discover, that God is generous in his grace. But God is thorough in his discipline. Right? And there's a tension there that we don't like. Because we want God to be all grace. Right? All grace. But the problem with God being all grace is that God is all love. And because he is all love, he is thorough in his discipline. And he doesn't discipline us to pay us back. It's to bring us back because he loves us. Now, some of us are facing chaos of our own making. Right? And because God loves us, God has set a storm into our life, not to pay us back. And it's important to know that it's not to pay us back. Listen, what Jesus did on the cross, that settled that debt. And this is hard for us to wrap our mind around, but there is no payback to be made because we don't owe anything because Christ died to cancel our debt. And so God brings storms sometimes into our life, not to pay us back, but to bring us back. Like he did with Jonah. To get him to a place where he waved, where he decided, I can't do this anymore. I need to surrender. So chapter two of, of Jonah and this is where Jonah recaps his experience, right? And it's essentially a prayer of surrender that Jonah prayed while he was inside of the fish. And in this prayer is some really rich insight. Um, and I'm going to start with the, the last verse of the first chapter, Jonah chapter 117. But the Lord provided the great fish to swallow Jonah and Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. Chapter two, from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God, which we said last week, I bet he did. And then he states something at the beginning of his prayer um, 
that is, that, that is my favorite part. And remember, this was 2,800 years ago, and people have been saying this ever since. Here we go. Verse 2. He said, In my distress, I called to the Lord. Isn't it true that for some people, the first time that they pray in a long time is in a moment of distress? It is. That holds true for a lot of people. It may hold true for you, right? In a moment of distress, when you're staring at a pregnancy test, maybe in the backseat of a cop car, maybe driving home to break some news to your parents, right? Staring at the phone, getting ready to make a call to your spouse to confess something, staring at an eviction notice. It, it could be anything, but moments of distress and in distress, no matter what, no matter what people believed about God beforehand, right? No matter what they convinced themselves about God, no matter how they justified their sin or their disobedience or their actions, in their distress, they call to the Lord. Isn't that amazing? It really is. No matter how smart you are, no matter how connected you are, no matter how careful you are, no matter how slick you are, when you are discovered and your back is against the wall and there's no place else to turn in your distress, you call on the Lord. Circumstantial brokenness overpowers our intellect, it overpowers our theology. It overpowers our resistance. And in our distress, we call to the Lord. And this is so cool. Listen to what he says. He doesn't just say, I call the Lord. He says, I called to the Lord and he answered me. He answered me. And then he repeats it from the depths of the grave because he was as good as dead inside that whale underneath the Mediterranean Sea. He says, from the depths of the grave, I called for help and you listened to my cry. God listens to the desperate cry for help. He listens to the cry coming from desperate people who are in desperate circumstances of their own making. Man, even if we never got beyond that this morning, that is amazing that God hears you when you cry out to him from your desperate circumstances. You see, one of the reasons that you and I hesitate to call out to God until there is no other way is this, is that there's something in us when we are behaving in ways that we know we shouldn't behave. And we're doing things we know God does not want us to do. When we do that, there is this sense about us that there is no way that we deserve for God to bail us out. Right? While we're still in it and there's still some moves to be made and we know we're not doing the right thing, we, we think, no, 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 we, we've, we've lost that. Our behavior has disqualified us. There's no way we deserve for God to bail us out. But... God is generous in his grace. He's generous in his grace. In my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me, Jonah says. He answered. 
Why? Because he deserved it? No, because your heavenly father listens to the cry of desperate people. And you know what that is? That is a daily invitation to me and to you that no matter what we have done, it is a daily invitation to come back, call out to God and surrender our will to him. And that's powerful. That is powerful. Jonah keeps going. You listen to my cry. You hurled me into the deep. <laughs> see, Jonah has clarity. When he's, see, pre-Jonah, pre-Jonah, when he's just talking to the people and God's telling him things and, and he's passing it on, yeah, I mean, he's got some clarity, not a lot of clarity. Jonah tossed into the, tossed into the sea, swallowed by the fish, sitting in the belly. You'll find clarity in the belly of a fish, right? You'll find that clarity, but it isn't about the storm, right? And it is about the sailors, it isn't about a fish. The idea is that God was behind that misfortune, right? God was behind it. Jonah says, into the very heart of the seas and the current swirled around about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. God, I now know, I see you are behind the chaos and the calamity. I said, I have been banished from your sight by you. You banished me from your sight. Yet I will look again towards your holy temple. And then we get to this really interesting part of the prayer, right? And, and I want to paint the picture for you for this part of the prayer. Jonah said, God is behind this. And he tells the guys on the ship, you've got to throw me overboard. God is so mad at me that he will probably kill you to get to me. Sorry, guys, you got on the wrong ship today. So they throw Jonah overboard. Now, now here's my question. At what point, at what point in the whole process do you think Jonah repented? Right? At, at what point did he break? Day two in the belly of the fish? Right? Afternoon of day three? Somewhere headed into the first night? I, I kind of doubt it. I kind of doubt it. I think... It was before the fish showed up and he was on the boat and he said, throw me in and they've got a hold of him and they're counting. Somebody's on his arms, somebody's on his legs and they're starting to swing. One, two, three. I think it was right then before he ever hit the water. I think it was right then when he goes I'll go wherever, God. I'll never do this to you again. Just name it. Just name it. He was a new man flying through the air to hit that water. Right? Growing up as a kid, um, my dad, as, as punishment, would, would spank my brother and I. And I know that that's a punishment that has fallen out of favor um, and for good reason. Uh, but one thing that the experience of being punished like that 
did teach me, if there's a silver lining to be had out of it, 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 it is that it taught me to relate rebellion with pain. Because rebellion always leads to pain. It doesn't always lead to physical pain. Um, there's so much other pain to be had in life besides just the physical. But, but that idea of rebellion leading to pain in your life, the sooner you discover that idea, the better. Right now, here's the deal. When I was rebellious as a kid and my dad would pull out the belt, um, I was a changed, I was a changed man. Instantly, I, I, I was, no, I take it back, I take it back, you don't have to spank me, right? I get it, I, I would even negotiate. No, 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 don't do that. You know, I promise I'll do this and this and this, I'll even do extra chores, I'll, you know, I'll mow the yard twice this week, I don't, I don't know, but I would even negotiate, I'd be like, just, you know, don't spank me, we don't need the belt, right? Because at the sight of the belt, I had learned. And sometimes, sometimes discipline must be thorough to make sure that we don't run again, right? And because God loves you, he'll discipline you. And it isn't to pay you back, it's to bring you back and to ensure that you don't go off again because he loves you. So God allowed Jodah to, Rattle around inside the whale for a while. Inside the fish. You just spend some time in there. Thinking about what you had done. Right? Listen to how Jonah describes it. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains, I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. God's discipline is thorough, right? When Israel rebelled, God sent them into captivity in Babylon for 70 years. Do you think it took 70 years to learn? No, I would think they'd learn in seven years, right? They probably got it by year three. Like, oh, we got it now, God. Not going to do it. Seven, 70 years? Jeez. When Israel disobeyed God, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. How many years of wandering in a wilderness would it take you to get the message, right? When David disobeyed God, God wreaked havoc with his family, with his authority, with his reputation, with the very kingdom of Israel. David was humiliated in ways that went far beyond what seemed necessary to teach the initial lesson. But even in that, God did not abandon David, right? And as, as a result, Jesus came through the line of David because God is generous with his grace and thorough in his discipline. Keeps going, verse six. But you, in the midst of all of this chaos, but you brought my life up from the pit, O Lord, my God. <laughs> and I don't know if under his breath, he was like, the pit you put me in. Right? When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you 
to your holy temple. And then, and then he gets to the best part of this prayer. And if you've been struggling to, to track with me and stay tuned in uh, this morning up to this point, hear this. Hear this one point, right? This line describes the dilemma that everyone who runs from God faces. And Jonah reduces it to this one phrase. Here's what he says. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit or lose or abandon or give up or do not experience. They forfeit the grace that could be theirs. And this is huge. This is huge. When you run from God, you are running to something, to someone, to, to an opportunity, to a lifestyle, uh, to entertainment, to friends. And everyone who runs from God gets to the place where they were going to, that thing that they were running to, right? And they realize that what they were running to isn't everything they thought that it was going to be. And they realize what I ran from and what I gave up is not worth what I ran to. Because what they gave up and what they ran from was a relationship with God. Runners that give up because they have distanced themselves from God. And the reason that I know that this is true is because of this. In your moments of despair, in my moments of despair, anyone who finds themselves in that dark moment, when they cry out, when you cry out, when I cry out, we do not cry out for the things that we turned our back on God to go and pursue. In your despair, you do not cry out for that person that you chose to pursue. In your despair, you do not cry out for that deal at work. You do not cry out for that occupation. You do not cry out for that lifestyle. You do not cry out for those friends that you turned your back on God to pursue. In our despair, we cry out to God. We cry out to God because we know that the most valuable thing in this life is that our Heavenly Father loves us and that we can look to Him with nothing in between us. That's why we don't cry out for those other things. And Jonah says, those who run realize how worthless what they were running to really is. And the high price that they paid for those worthless things. And it isn't until we are broken and it isn't until our back is against the wall that all of that becomes crystal clear to us. Jonah keeps going in his prayer. He says, but I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. And then this next part is great, chapter 3. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. 
And what do you think he said? What do you, right? Do you know why? Do you know why the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time? It's because God is generous in his grace. Here's what God said to him. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim the message I give you. And Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, here's my challenge for you this week. Some of you need to confess that you have turned your back on God for worthless idols. Some of you, some of you are running from God in one form or another, and you need to pray a prayer of surrender. You need to pray a prayer that says, God, I am not going to run anymore. I'm not going to keep parts of my life hidden back from you. I'm not going to waste another season of my life on something that is going to cause chaos for me. Some of you are already there and your life may be in crisis, right? And you're at the end of your rope. And you may be wondering, you know, Andy, how did you know to preach this today that I needed to hear this? And the answer is, I didn't know. I didn't know. The answer is, is that this isn't just Jonah's story, right? It's my story. It's your story. It's everyone's story, whoever runs from God. But here's the best news that we may hear. In your despair, in your despair, call on the Lord and he will answer you. He will answer you. Why? Because he loves you and he wants you back. But it all starts with that moment of surrender. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray for everyone hearing this today, God, that that you will open our eyes to the ways that we are turning our back and running from you. God, for some of us, we're fully aware of it and life is in full-blown crisis mode because of it. God, for those in that situation, Lord, I pray that the truth of you answering them in their despair and welcoming them back with overabundant grace, that that truth settle in their hearts and they turn and they call out to you in their moment of despair. Lord, for others who haven't reached those rock bottom points of chaos, God, I pray that you bring it to their attention, bring it to my attention in areas where we are running from you and we are not surrendered to you so that we can turn our back back to you before life descends into chaos, before damage is done. But God, let us all reach a point of surrender to you, that we will not hold back any parts of our life, but that in every area of life we say, God, what is it that you want from me? And then we adjust our lives and our actions accordingly.
Lord, I thank you for your mercy and for your grace, which is abundant. Now be with us till we can be together again. In your name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being with us. Uh, I look forward to next week as we um, wrap up this section of Sunday School and specifically talking about the story of Jonah.